In today's brief, we'll talk about Bakhmut, cholera outbreaks, and a peek into some of Ukraine's new gear. I'm Linnea, and today is Wednesday, July 5th, 2023. You're listening to the Ukraine War Brief podcast, where we bring you up to speed on the war in Ukraine in about 20 minutes or less. Let's get started with the news in Ukraine from the front. The General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, reported that Russian forces attempted to advance in the Liman, Ovdivka, and Marinka directions, but were unsuccessful. In the Bakhmut direction, the GSAFU reported failed Russian attempts to advance near Orikhovo, Vasilivka, and Bohdanivka, while Ukrainian troops continue to lead offensive operations on the northern and southern flanks. Ukraine's 3rd Assault Brigade has reportedly penetrated Russian defenses south of Bakhmut, advancing one and a half kilometers and capturing one of two main Russian fortifications in the area. Ukrainian forces also secured the forested area near the city, forcing Russian troops south of Bakhmut into a bit of a tight spot. Russian telegram channels confirm the general staff's report, writing that Ukrainian troops are successfully flanking Bakhmut from both sides, and the situation is deteriorating for Russian troops since private military company, or PMC Wagner, left the area. The GSAFU also reported continued offensive operations towards Melitopol and Berdyansk, where Ukrainian forces have advanced up to two kilometers into the Russian defensive line. According to the Institute for the Study of War, or ISW, Russian mill bloggers have expressed concern that Ukrainian forces could cross the Dnipro, reporting, quote, Russian mill bloggers have seized on recent Ukrainian activity on the east, or left, bank of Kherson Oblast to call for an increased presence of small river vessels and equipment on the Dnipro River to prevent further Ukrainian advances, end quote. Russia has lost half of its combat capability in Ukraine, according to UK Armed Forces Chief Admiral Sir Tony Radikin, who rejected concerns that the counteroffensive is advancing slowly, noting that the main push of the counteroffensive is yet to come. The pushback against Russia was, quote, never a singular act, end quote, and the strategy to, quote, starve, stretch, and strike has been gradually breaking down Russian defensive lines. Moving on to the home front, spokesman for the Ukrainian Air Force, or UAF, Yuri Ignat, reported, quote, Over the course of yesterday, a total of 20 Iranian-made Shahed and Russian Lancet drones were destroyed, plus six reconnaissance unmanned aerial vehicles of the Orlan, Supercam, and other types, end quote. Eight high-rise buildings were damaged by a Russian attack reportedly using incendiary shrapnel, in Pervomaiske in the Kharkiv region. 31 people have reportedly been injured so far, including nine children, one of them a 10-month-old baby and another a toddler. The Ukrainian prosecutor general's office reported that Russian forces, quote, bombarded the city of Kherson on July 4th, killing two people. Ukrainian authorities will be inspecting and sealing off five buildings in the lower part of the historic Kyiv Pechersk Lavra Monastery, according to the Ukrainian Ministry of Culture on July 4th. Access to religious activities is not expected to be impacted, since the area affected does not serve religious purposes. 
The ministry issued what was effectively an eviction notice to monks from the Russian-controlled Ukrainian Orthodox Church Moscow Patriarchate back on March 10th of this year, instructing them to vacate the monastery. Ukraine has started construction of roughly 150 kilometers of pipelines to restore water supply to the areas in the southern part of the country that were affected by Russia's destruction of the Kachovka Dam. The infrastructure project will reportedly provide a consistent water supply to over a million people. Cholera has been identified in the occupied Skadovsk and Henechesk areas of the Kherson region as a result of the flooding from the destruction of the Kachovka Dam. According to the GSAFU, Russian occupation authorities are not recognizing the increased number of cases, are trying to hide the deteriorating sanitation and epidemiological situation in the region, and have semi-secretly started vaccinating occupation administration workers and their families. Dmitro Orlov, mayor of Enerhodar in the Zaporizhia Oblast, reported that the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, or ZNPP, lost power from the main 750-kilovolt power line overnight between July 3rd and 4th. The ZNPP had to switch to a 330-kilovolt backup line, which was only just repaired and reconnected to the station on July 1st, after having been damaged four months ago. According to Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, Intelligence has indicated that Russian forces placed explosive-like objects on the roofs of several power units at the ZNPP, saying during his nightly address, quote, perhaps to imitate a strike on the station, perhaps they have some other plan. But in any case, the world sees that the only source of danger to ZNPP is Russia. This may inspire the Kremlin to commit new evil. It is the duty of everyone in the world to stop it. No one can stand aside because radiation leaves no one aside. End quote. Speaking of new evils, let's talk about the Russian Federation. Russian sources reported on July 4th that Ukrainian forces had attacked Moscow with at least five drones, claiming that all five were either shot down or jammed, though one of the airports in the region had to reroute flights for several hours. According to Russian media, two drones were intercepted roughly 30 kilometers southwest of the Kremlin, and another was detected in the Kaluga region just next door. A journalist for the independent Russian newspaper Novaya Gazeta, Yelena Milashina, and lawyer Alexander Nemov were attacked and severely beaten by masked and as-yet-unidentified individuals in Chechnya which is recognized by Ukrainian parliament as the temporarily Russian-occupied territory of the Chechen Republic of Ichkeria. Milashina's head was shaved and her fingers broken, and both victims' equipment and documents were destroyed. Following the armed rebellion nearly two weeks ago, Russian President Vladimir Putin has turned his focus to reinforcing and rewarding loyalty among the ruling elite and Russian security forces praising the, quote, decisiveness and courage, end quote, of the Russian troops. Some quick assessment here. It's also likely that Putin allowed private military company or PMC Wagner Group leader Yevgeny Prigozhin and the Wagner mercenaries who refused to sign a contract with the Russian Ministry of Defense, or MOD, to allegedly go to Belarus as a means to retain power. Belgorod Oblast Governor Vyacheslav Gladkov announced on Telegram that residents evacuated from Shevikino 
who are currently living in temporary residence centers, would be able to return home within the next two weeks, adding, quote, Of course, this applies only to those whose apartments and houses are not destroyed or damaged, end quote. Did, did he really need to specify that? A quick update from yesterday on our Dove-producing Sponsors of War. Activists outside the London headquarters of Unilever created a large Dove soapbox with images of five injured Ukrainian veterans. The veterans are wearing the brand's classic all-white and showing significant physical injuries. One veteran is missing an eye, one is missing an arm, and three are missing one or both legs. The slogan reads, quote, Dove, helping to fund Russia's war in Ukraine. Dove is owned by Unilever, which paid an estimated $331 million in taxes to Russia in 2022. End quote. If you're enjoying the episode, please rate us and leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to reach out to us via email at social at borlingon.media. That's B-O-R-L-I-N-G-O-N dot media. Well, I know you didn't expect me, but here I am, taking over from Linnea to give her a little bit of a break. And on that note, let's talk about European news. President of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen said on July 3rd that it was critical for the EU to address as soon as possible the inclusion of countries such as Ukraine and Moldova in order to ensure they won't fall under the influence of Russia or China. Von der Leyen said, quote, Can we imagine the European Union will be without Ukraine, without Moldova, without the Western Balkans? And those parts of Europe are under the influence of Russia or China? Impossible. End quote. According to Reuters, Italy has confiscated the frozen 2.5 billion U.S. dollars in assets of the Kremlin and its backers as part of EU sanctions. The confiscated assets include bank accounts, luxury houses, yachts, and cars. Because are you really a Russian oligarch if you don't have at least a couple of each of those? President Zelensky accepted an invitation to visit Bulgaria by the country's new government. Details of the visit have not been specified for security reasons. Bulgaria has already begun preparing a new military aid package for Ukraine, according to Defense Minister Todor Tagayev on July 4th. The contents of the aid package have not been disclosed, as previous packages were also undisclosed. However, Tagarev did indicate that the package would provide, quote, material means, end quote, that do not disrupt the capabilities of the Bulgarian military. The Dutch government also announced another aid package for Ukraine worth 118 million euros. That's about 128 million U.S. dollars focused on helping with humanitarian and economic needs. Moving on to news worldwide. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg's term was due to end in October. However, the NATO states extended his terms three times, and it has been extended yet again. By the end of the extended term, Stoltenberg will have served 10 years as a secretary general, and the extension speaks to NATO's interest in continuity of leadership during the war in Ukraine. Stoltenberg wrote on Twitter that he had a, quote, very good conversation with President Zelensky on the latest developments in Ukraine and our preparations for the NATO summit, end quote. 
the former president of Lithuania, Dalia Grabauskaita. The Baltics really love women in power, and I love that. Stated that not offering NATO membership to Ukraine would be a huge mistake, saying at a conference in Vilnius University, quote, We will not be able to deter Russia again. We have already failed to deter Russia from going to war once, and we still cannot explain to the people what needs to be done. We have not yet been able to arm the Ukrainians so they can strike back. End quote. Meanwhile, former president of Georgia, Mikhail Saakashvili, participated in a trial via video link for the first time since February, appearing emaciated and unwell. In the video, Saakashvili reiterated his innocence, blaming the former parliament speaker, Shalva Papoashvili, for his feeble state. President Zelensky called for the immediate release of Saakashvili, who is also a citizen of Ukraine, saying, quote, I once again call on the Georgian authorities to hand over Ukrainian citizen Mikhail Saakashvili to Ukraine for the necessary treatment and care. And I call on our partners to address, not ignore, this situation and save this person. No government in Europe has the right to execute people. Life is a basic European value. End quote. Chairman of the NATO Military Committee, Rob Bauer, said that the possible consequences of a Russian attack on the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant would affect the whole world, clarifying that since it will be both an ecological and medical disaster, it will go beyond NATO and security issues. Dr. Cheryl Rofer, retired nuclear chemist from Los Alamos National Laboratory in the U.S., wrote convincingly that the ZNPP reactors have hard oxide fuel encased in metal and are inside a stainless steel vessel and therefore cannot explode like the graphite moderator of Chernobyl. Further, since the plant is in a cold shutdown and has been for quite some time, radioiodine will not be a component of any nuclear release, rendering the need for potassium iodide moot. In an interview with CNN, President Zelensky called on U.S. President Biden to invite Ukraine to join NATO. Zelensky called Biden, quote, the decision-maker, end quote, on whether Ukraine joins NATO or not. The Ukrainian president prefers an invitation to NATO now, even if full membership isn't achieved until after the war. The full interview is set to be released on Wednesday, July 5th, 2023, at 7 p.m. EST by the U.S. News Channel. The Russian Ministry of Foreign Meddling, uh, <clears throat> I mean, affairs, announced on July 4th, 2023, that it was pulling out of the Black Sea Grain Initiative. Again. For real, this time. Ukrainska Pravda reported that Valery Tkachov, deputy head of the Department of Commercial Work of Ukrzaliznitsa, or UZ, the Ukrainian National Railway, said that Russia had slowed inspections of ships from four to six vessels weekly to almost zero. Note, the English-language version of the article, which was originally published in Ukrainian, doesn't accurately reflect its content. Ukraine is trying to reroute grain by rail through Moldova to the Danube. Moldova, a Ukrainian ally, is negotiating the best way for the grain to reach the Danube. Details that still need ironing out include the tariff rate, whether payments should be made monthly or quarterly, and whether Ukraine will lower tariffs for Moldovan goods. The two countries are working together to prevent Russia from collapsing their economies. And finally, let's talk military tech. Commander of the Ukrainian Air Force, UAF, 
Mikola Oleschuk published photos celebrating the U.S. July 4th holiday by showing munitions received by the UAF from the USA, including bombs, missiles, HIMARS, and a Patriot surface-to-air air defense battery. The cute bombs, dated July 4th, 2023, had messages on them such as God bless Ukraine and God bless America, and Together for Peace and Victory. In a wink to U.S. technical support, Oleschuk released a photo of a joint direct attack munition extended range, JDAM-ER, kit deployed on a bomb. The use of the kit, which was previously undisclosed by the Ukrainians, tripled the range of altitude-dependent bombs from 28 kilometers to 72 kilometers. The JDAM-ER technology uses gyroscopes, accelerometers, GPS, and wings to convert DOM bombs to smart precision bombs. In February 2023, U.S. Air Force General James Hecker announced the United States had sent JDAM-ER kits to Ukraine. But this is the first official acknowledgement from Ukraine that the UAF has the tech, and is probably as close as we'll get to an official confirmation in a while. The JDAM-ER kits provide Ukraine with exceptional firepower, as they have the same range as HIMARS without the need for a rocket engine. The bombs can deliver significantly more payload. Bombs with JDAM-ERs can weigh 2,000 pounds or 900 kilograms compared to HIMARS and travel almost silently, lack a vapor trail, and are much cheaper. JDAM-ER-equipped bombs have to be launched from an airframe. Aeronautics experts believe that the UAF modified its fleet of Soviet-era Su-24s, Su-27s, and MiG-29s to fly at low altitude, then flick the airframe upward while releasing a JDAM-ER-equipped bomb. The picture also showed a high-speed anti-radiation HARM-88 missile, which Ukraine modified Su-24s, Su-27s, and MiG-29s to launch. HARM missiles are also launched from the air, but target and destroy enemy radar systems, whether on the ground or in the air. Finally, the picture showed the famous HIMARS systems and a Patriot surface-to-air air defense battery. Forbes reported on July 3rd that the friendly fire incident on May 13 over Bryansk, Russia, was actually the work of Ukrainian-operated Patriot air defense system. One Su-34 fighter bomber, one Su-35 fighter, one Mi-8 highly valuable 8MTPR-1 model carrying Raichag AV radar jamming equipment, one Mi-8 search and rescue helicopter, and a possible third Mi-8 search and rescue chopper. The two crew of the Su-34 were attempting to lob a 3,300-pound glide bomb in the direction of Chernihiv, with the single pilot of the Su-35 protecting the Su-34. After the Patriot shot down the Su-34 and Su-35, it's not clear whether one radar-jamming helicopter was trying and failing to protect the two search-and-rescue choppers sent for the Su-34 and Su-35 crew, but those choppers were shot down as well. The armed forces of Ukraine now have a distinct Marine Corps separate from the Navy. The Ukrainian Marine Corps was formed on May 23, 2023, in response to Russian invasion and specific needs of the armed forces. On July 3, the new marking a clear and distinct demarcation from the Navy.
The Ukrainian Marines were previously part of the naval forces. That's the brief for today. Remember to check your sources and don't fall for propaganda. Join us on YouTube and TikTok for more Ukraine content and live news reports. And please, consider supporting our work on Patreon, where we post daily rundowns of everything that happened in Ukraine in the past 24 hours in a form of um, a newsletter. You'll find the links in the description. We'll be back tomorrow with more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. Do zustrichi!